welcome to People with Purpose. So many people are looking for meaning, but they don't know where to start. Imagine a world where everyone could just get their purpose out of them and then actually make it happen. I'm David Roberts, and I believe that we all have a purpose, and with focus and a little help, people with purpose make a difference. And this show is where these stories come to life. Welcome to another episode of People with Purpose. Uh, today I'm joined by Anne Helgren, who's uh, a coach and relationship uh, expert uh, and uh, also um, host of the podcast, The Love You Want. And, uh, and she's got a passion for empowering people in their relationships um, and helping people to make uh, decisions uh, based on um, empowering beliefs and, and clarity. So, uh, so Anne, really looking forward to today's conversation. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, David. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's an absolute uh, honour to be here speaking to you today. Thank you. Good, good. Well, so, uh, so what, are you, uh, what are you working on at the moment? So at the moment, I'm quite busy with my podcast, as you mentioned. Um, so I've been doing a lot of that. Um, and I'm also trying to diversify my coaching programs. Um, at the moment, I do one-on-one -on -one and I do group coaching as well. Um, and I've got other things in the pipeline. I've been working on this book for a while and I'm trying to get back into that because I find writing quite relaxing and quite therapeutic. So trying to go back into the things that I really enjoy as well. Um, I don't enjoy marketing part of the business. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like trying to capture, okay, what is it that I enjoy and doing more of that? Yeah. And that's, that's important, isn't it? I mean, writing is something that I find, I find quite, quite tricky. Do you have to sort of discipline yourself to do that? Or have you always had a kind of a natural inclination towards uh, getting the pen out and, uh, and scribbling away? Um, it's, that's interesting because I love writing. I've always had uh, a love for it. When it comes to writing towards a deadline, uh, there's a bit of a <laughs> procrastination queen about me going on. <laughs> but um, I do enjoy writing. I do enjoy writing my social media posts. I enjoy writing my journal. Um, and it's I find it a way to kind of get out what's going on within me, kind of like my own kind of therapy coaching. Um, and I've heard from people tell me as well that I'm, I'm a good writer. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> maybe continue pursuing this a little bit more. And I, yeah. Excellent. Bit of encouragement helps, doesn't it? That's all good. That's all good. And I do, yeah. I do like, uh, what reading your posts, uh, I find, uh, I find, yeah, I find them interesting and engaging and there's a, a good deal of honesty in there as well so uh so yeah so do you have to be courageous to be a, a a writer and write true to yourself i think you've got to be vulnerable i've noticed that when i when i allow myself and i put my guard down and i stop thinking about every what people will say or what people will think or um and i and i have to be quite honest especially when it comes to family members and feeling like, and I think it's perhaps a cultural thing as well, when it comes to, oh, you're oversharing, oh, why do you have to put all, all of that out there? Or everyone doesn't need to know your business, that kind of like mentality and background that I come from. Um, when I let go of that and kind of honor my own process of how I want to write and being authentic to my own writing style and being authentic to 
why I'm writing it in the first place. Um, like, as you mentioned with a, with a content on, I put on LinkedIn or another social media, I find that I get, uh, the best responses from people, uh, not as a, as a all like or rating thing, but people coming back to me and saying, wow, thank you. That post really helped because I'm also going through that kind of difficulty. I've also been through, you know, that hardship and it's encouraging to see that you've come out of it or you, other people are going through it. You know, as you know, it's not that misery likes company, but people like to be inspired where by other people who are going through similar things. And I find myself drawn as well to writers who write vulnerably, who write authentically. Um, so I try to do the same. And it's hard sometimes, to be quite honest. It is hard. There's some things that are quite personal. I have to think about what I put out there, if my kids read it out in the future as well. Um, and there's some things, again, I've written in my book. And to be quite honest, David, I'm not sure whether it's going to be published in that format. Um, I had a really good friend of mine read that chapter and uh, she said, when your children grow up and they read that aspect of your book about your previous marriage, are you sure you want your children reading that? Now, when I wrote it, I wrote it vulnerably and sharing my story so that other people could uh, hopefully learn or to encourage or to inspire other people but i think she also had a good point um sometimes it's uh it's a tricky it's tricky i mm. feel mm. i, I want to be vulnerable i want to be honest but at the same time i still have to be accountable for what i put out there for my future children yeah sure sure and there's a thing about uh timing as well you know i suppose uh, uh how old, how are your children uh, under nine right Yes, so I've got my daughter's eight and my son is four. Okay, okay. So I'm 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 now in a situation where my my children are, uh, are sixteen and eighteen, nearly seventeen, nearly nineteen. So, and I've got the same dilemma. You know, there's some things that, uh, that about about my life that they've probably got an inkling of and uh, and and a, and a bit of an understanding of, but there's some things that they that they they don't you know know about. Or I've not told them about. And it's a, it's a, it's a tricky one. You know, how, how much do you say? And, um, you know, what, what do you, what do you share with your children? Cause you want your children to be able to, you know, learn from, you know, maybe the mistakes that you've made or from the situations that you've been in so they can have a, a kind of a, a, a an easier path through life um, and you want them to have confidence and and belief and and all those positive emotions about you know where they came from and their origins and all those sorts of things but by the same token enough of an appreciation of 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 the the reality of life you know at the right time in in, in how they're growing up is uh it's probably going to be helpful for them. So, uh, so yeah. So it's a it's a difficult difficult tension that. So, what what do you think you're going to do then? Um, to be honest with you, I'm not a hundred percent sure, David. And it's something I've been going back and forth and back and forth. I do want to share the story. I think it's relevant for them. Uh, and just to give you some context, it was, uh, in my opinion, and in other people's opinion, of course, he might disagree, and that's completely you know up to him. It was a very controlling, manipulative, um, and emotionally, I would say, emotionally abusive uh, relationship. 
the details that I put in the book, I uh, the stories that I put in the book, should I say, I put them there because I think they were relevant to sharing my story. At the same time, you know, as I mentioned, okay, do I want my children to know this aspect of their father or of our marriage? You know, he might be somebody completely different 10 years down the road when she's reading it as an 18-year-old. Um, but it doesn't deny what happened. We cannot rewrite the past. Mm. So in a way, I almost, I'm, I'm tempted to include it in there to teach her that that is not what you should accept from a relationship. Mm. To teach my son that is not the way you should treat another person in a relationship. Yeah. Uh, my dilemma is, do I want to teach them that in a book or should I have this conversation before they're old enough to read the book? And perhaps I should do that instead. Mm. So when they do pick up the book, it's not a shock factor of, oh, mom, what's this about? Yeah. Or you didn't tell me about this. And, you know, and I think the thing is, and I guess why I'm having this dilemma, David, is because I grew up with uh, parents and in a society, quite frankly, where domestic abuse was the norm. And it was no big deal, quite frankly. Um, and my, I saw it around me, not just in, with, in my household, but in other households. And again, it's not, I'm not trying to put down my, my parents or anything. It's just the truth of my experience. And as I say, I, I'm not going to rewrite history or pretend or lie that it did not happen. And what that taught me then is that this is how you function in a relationship. So I then went on at a young age of 19 to be in a physically abusive relationship that I tolerated for much longer than I should have. And I can't help but think that part of it is because of what I grew up seeing as quote unquote normal. Now, had someone sat me down and go, this is absolutely bloody not normal. And the first time should be the last time they put their hands on you. I don't think I would have been in that relationship for that long. So it's a bit of a catch 22 where I want to teach my children what a healthy relationship should look like, what boundaries should look like. But I guess it's like, okay, at what age do I start having those conversations? For one, uh, I want to have them face to face and not perhaps through a book. Uh, what what happens if I don't have those conversations? Are they going to have to learn the hard way like I did when I was 19? And God forbid I would ever want anyone, let alone my own children, to go through that. And especially if I know I've gone through that, I've seen past generations go through that, why didn't I cut this cycle by having this conversation early enough? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, it's a difficult it's a difficult choice. It's a difficult choice. I I I do agree with you uh, that that reading it reading it in a book is 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 probably gonna gonna be a, a, hard, a harder way f to 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 find out than 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 a conversation. And you know, valuing those relationships with with your children and 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 building those relationships with your children as a as a parent. It can be uh, quite a transition to go through when when your, your children go from that kind of, uh, I suppose, primary school sort of age to a sort of a more of a sort of a secondary school sort of age and adolescence, and they develop their own 
characters and personalities and beliefs that you know the values that you've brought them up with potentially then begin to merge with the values that they get from the kind of educational establishment and all those sorts of things and uh, and it and it's a t it's a tension you know for for a, for a parent knowing what to let go of and knowing what to to hold on to and um and 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 timing and an opportunity and openness of, communica of communication channels and, and all of those sorts of things. I suppose if, if you're in, a, if you feel like you're in a position where you can kind of prepare the ground for, for an, any conversation, uh, then, um, then potentially when, when the time is right to have those conversations, you'll, you'll know, and you'll be in a relationship with, with your children where, where you can, where you can do that. Is, is that something that, that you perhaps can foresee or you've seen in other, in other people's relationships who you've coached? Yes. Um, I think what you've just said that about putting the ground and creating that relationship where, and I try to do that as well with my own kids. Uh, and I encourage that obviously as well with my own clients when it, um, because they come to me with relationship issues, but if you're a parent, of course it will affect your children as well. Uh, and how you navigate the relationship with your children as well. So in my case, I try to always have a very close relationship with my children and especially the eight year old who she's at that age where in this internet world, you know, being exposed to things that you're like, uh, and I'm, <laughs> my nickname is mother goose. I'm always like, what are you watching? What are you doing? <laughs> What's that? What's that? Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, mom, like, I understand I'm not allowed to watch X, Y, and Z. And, mm. you know, I put all the age rating things on all the tablets and stuff. But there is still that at some point you just need to believe, okay, I've created a relationship with her that she knows she can be honest and come to me when there's a problem. And when she knows something is inappropriate, she'll come and tell me this and this is it's not appropriate or I've been showed this. And she has in the past as well. She's like, I know I'm not supposed to be watching, I think a scary granny or evil granny or something. <laughs> she comes and she tells me and I'm like, okay, thank you for sharing. Mm. Um, so yeah, trying to create that relationship with your kids, I think is so essential, especially when you know that at some point you're going to be, you can do everything you can for them at home, right? You can like shelter them. You can mama goose them <laughs> as much as you want. <laughs> But when they go out there, if you haven't given them the tools to kind of make wise decisions and be open enough to come back and tell you, you know what, mom, I messed up or I did this. And especially as they grow up, right? And I'm sure you can <laughs> testify to this more with the age of your daughters. Um, just going, you know what, I really messed up and I need your help rather than going to someone else. I, I would really want that mm. uh, for my children, for both my children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so your book then, who who are you writing it for? I'm writing for my clients, actually. I'm writing for people who are experiencing what I experienced at some so at these two stages really. Um, and it kind of fits the same group as my clients. So it's people who are uh identifying there's a dysfunctional dating pattern in their life. They want to break it. They're fed up of going from one bad relationship to another. They realize that that's not what I want, but they also realize that they're the common denominator 
of this dysfunctional relationship. So it's up to them to do something. It's not about blaming the world and everyone's crap and I'm just bad luck. People who are ready to take a bit of responsibility. Um, the other group is, and again, it's not, it's not a blame game at all. Uh, the reason I emphasize able to take responsibility is because I wasn't able to do the work on myself until I was able to recognize that I'm the one who had the bad patterns and in my twenties going from one bad relationship to another. Um, and then the second one is uh, again, another part of my life, uh, in my thirties where I stayed in relationships much longer than I should have including my marriage, but I don't have any regrets, by the way. I have two amazing children out of that marriage, so there's no regrets. But would I repeat certain patterns? No. Hmm. You live, you learn, and you you do better next time. You do different next time. So um, people who are struggling to leave a relationship, um, people who know they want to leave, struggling to leave, or people who don't even know whether they want to leave, but they know that something's got to change. They know they've been too unhappy for too long and they have this nugging feeling or thought that this, this is not what my life should be about. Mm. Like this is not how to exist in a relationship. Yeah. So the book is really geared towards those two groups of people. And it really is about empowering them as individuals to help them make wise decisions based on increasing their self-worth, their self-confidence, uh, self-clarity, really getting to understand themselves, what they want, what they need, and so on, how to communicate, set boundaries, and creating a strong mindset for yourself. So that's what the book is essentially about. And But having said that, I think it can be geared to anyone. Uh, I mean, who doesn't want to increase their confidence and have a stronger mindset because it translates into the business world. It translates into in, into life in general, I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, and you mentioned uh, having no regrets. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's quite interesting because I suppose when, when, when people, when people look back at what's happened to them in their past, they, uh, they they can quite often carry regret or or resentment, maybe mm-hmm. forward or um, uh, and, and, and emotions if you like that don't necessarily serve them as they as they go on to the next thing. How do you uh, how do you how do you manage that given your experience? It's not always easy. I think I allow myself to go through the process of either being annoyed or sad about whatever decision that I made. I honor that. I honor that crappy place that I'm in when I've done something that I shouldn't have done. And then I just let go. Um, and the, uh, when I was in, when I was doing my, I'll just tell you a quick story. When I was in, uh, in uni, I remember as part of the dissertation, part of a dissertation that I was doing. And one of the studies I came across that I think really changed how I think about regret. Um, and they, long story short, there was a study that showed that when people were asked at their deathbed what they regretted the most, uh, the majority said they regretted not doing something rather than doing something and regretting it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. So it's like, okay, we all mess up. We all do stuff that we think, ah, oh, damn, I should not have done that. Yeah. But no one sits at their de- deathbed going, oh, I regret that mistake. Or I regret. People regret what they didn't actually do. 
I wish I took that trip to Asia. I wish I had children. I wish whatever it was, but whatever it is that they didn't do is what they regret the most. Yeah. Wow. That's really powerful, isn't it? Because, um, yeah, the, uh, yeah, the, the, the one day type thing, you know, I'll do it one day is, is, is I've got a few things on that list and, uh, and yeah, one, the risk of one day becoming never is, uh, is, is, is quite a big risk, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah. And so the reason it's called bucket list items, isn't it? Mm, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that, that, that tension then between, um, making those choices about what the right thing is for you to do. How do you help your, your coaching clients through making those, those better decisions? Sure. So one of the things I, first of all, help them with is their confidence and self-worth. And I think a lot of bad decisions are made based on uh, us perhaps not loving ourselves enough, not thinking we're worthy enough, based on our limiting beliefs about what we can and cannot do. And I think in any way, in my opinion, is when we tend to make choices that don't serve us or are not at the highest level that we should be at, whether it's your relationship or work or whatever it is, um, health, whatever it is. And so by working on their self-worth and getting them to really love themselves as an individual, I believe it really helps you make better decisions in your life. Mm. I mm. think it helps you make decisions that will serve you at a higher level rather than coming in at a mediocre entry. You're like, no, no, I can do better. You know, I'm going to achieve for higher, uh, whether it's with a partner or whether it's with, um, your career. You know, I'm, I'm going to go for that promotion. I deserve it. I'm worthy of it. Um, or whether it's your business, whatever it is. Mm. So and even your friendships, I think as well, actually, which is also a big one. Well, does it deserve better friendships and yes. yeah, 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 yeah. I have this saying, um, if you uh, think of life as a table, like a big round table, right? Hmm. And you're sat at the head of the table and there are all these other seats around the table and you need to ask yourself every now and then, who is still deserving of a seat at your table of life? And if they're not deserving of it, let them go so someone else can take that seat instead. It's pretty tough. It is tough. It is tough. But if you don't do that cleanup on your life every now and then, you will find that your space, your time, your efforts are taken up by people that are really not deserving to be in your life. Mm. And is, so, so and is, is it about cleaning up or is it about finding people that, that, that are more your kind of people that, that, that are the kind of people that you want to be around and like-minded souls and all that sort of stuff. Cause, cause there's kind of, there's getting rid if you like, which sounds like a really hard thing to do. And then there's going out and finding the new, putting yourself in places where you're going to find people that are more, more like you and, and, and going to, um, I suppose you're going to resonate with, they're going to resonate with you and, and, and then naturally replacing, if you like, because of where you, where you put your time. Is there a, is there a right or wrong way of doing it? 
I don't think there's a right or wrong way of doing it. But for me, I feel like even if I haven't replaced this person or haven't, you know, met another person that I think there's more alignment and we share the same values, et cetera, with, I no longer want to have people in my life that I'm spending time and effort on that I feel are just not the kind of people I want to be with. People who are dishonest, people who are just not kind or just not nice people. Um, you know, whatever it is, whatever that criteria looks like for mm-hmm. you. Um, I just, I, I just no longer want to give my time and energy to such relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is what I mean by cleaning up. It's not to say that I'm going to be like calling them and like, you have been fired from my table of life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm no longer speaking to you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, vacated my life. No, it's just more like, <laughs> um, you know what? I, I, I will be kind and I will say hello if I bump into you somewhere, but I'm no longer going, hi, you free for dinner. Do you want to come over for dinner or should we go for a movie? I'm no longer investing my time and energy yeah. in those relationships. And that's what I mean by getting rid of. It's yeah. uh, more of an emotional getting rid of or a psychological getting rid of. Yeah. So it's, a, de- also, it's yeah. a decision. It's a decision then. And then, and then taking action then that matches that, that decision that, that, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Cause, cause you know, when you, when you, um, when you're in a sort of a a situation where you you feel like you're um you're not where you need to be in any kind of of relationship you know we're we're sort of naturally sociable beings aren't we and we we need each other and we and, and we and we give and we also get from those social interactions and and something isn't quite isn't quite right or when you're st- you're stuck in something, you know, you're stuck, but you don't know how to get out. Then you're sort of, sort of a fog descends and you kind of, you keep repeating the same pattern. So, so how do you take that first step to, to breaking through and beginning to understand your own self-worth, which then energizes you to then take the next step forward? So, so what's that first step that, that people uh, need to take? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> um, I think one of the first steps is really looking at your your life and analyzing why you want to make the change in the first place, starting with the why. Okay, what is it that has been happening? Why do I want to change it? Looking at previous events, previous actions, previous thoughts that you have been doing that you know you're not happy with analyzing why you've been doing them. Is there an underlying issue? Is there a programming consciously, subconsciously that you've, you've gone through? Is it your surrounding? Is it cultural norms or expectations or religious norms and expectations? Is it feeling like this is not authentically you? Or maybe it's authentically you, but you just want to change it or it's not authentically you at all. Mm. So I think it's identifying the why have I been behaving or thinking like X, Y, and Z. Mm. Mm. And then from there, you can start to uncover, like, you know, peel off the layers of an onion, if you like. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it does take, it does take, uh, 
it does take the the, t- the time to reflect on it and i i really find when i'm when i'm looking at a situation i'm deep into a situation i do find almost no matter what it is i do find pen and paper actually really really helps just sitting down and just scribbling so back to what you were saying you know writing journaling and all that kind of thing i find that really helps me or or uh, or or you know part of the reason why i do the podcast is i quite like talking so speaking into a something that can record it voice note or whatever it is and then listening listening back to it mm-hmm. but um yeah sometimes it's uh, it's about sort of separating the facts from from what those facts mean and um and there's a uh, i did i did a podcast episode on this actually a few weeks ago um about a um there's a about about closure and uh, and there's a uh, there's a there's a song by um by elbow i quite like elbow um they're, they're, some of my friends find them a bit ponderous and and all that sort of stuff but i i i, I find it's a lovely vibe and guy garve is a great great poet and uh, and uh, it, it's uh, it's it's um we protect our little fictions when we bow to fear is a lyric in one of one of one of their songs so so the stories that you tell yourself you can sort of do that and quite unconsciously just because you're just too busy living to sort of consciously think about it so when i write things down i try and write down okay so what are the facts and then and then what does that mean both good and bad because there's in any relationship, you said you've got no regrets. In any relationship, even if it ends badly or ends and you don't want it to end or carries on and you don't want it to carry on or whatever it is, there's, there's, there is both good and bad, isn't there? Because, because you take those, those, uh, those, those, those good, those good things, those learnings and all of those sorts of things. Um, and, and, and if you can consciously do it, then, then that, that can really help you to, I suppose, to, 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 to really understand that, that why. Um, so, so that's something that, that, that I find, I find helpful. Is that, is that common or is that just me? No, I think it's, it's, uh, it's interesting the way you've said it, that you look at the facts and then you analyze the good and the bad, uh, and that's an interesting, I think, way of, of looking at it. I haven't thought of it in that sense, but I think it's really interesting because then you're sticking to quote unquote reality. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I was saying before, I think some people like to rewrite history. And when you do that, you're rewriting it to fit your narrative of what you think. It's usually rewritten away from the facts when people rewrite history. Right, right. Yeah. So it's uh, it's really interesting what you say there, and I think it can be very uh, lethargic. Is it lethargic? Very um, maybe it's not lethargic, but maybe it can be very um, therapeutic. Yeah, yeah, cathartic. Yeah, yeah, cathartic. That's yeah. the one. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> lethargic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lethar- yeah. Lethargic is being cathartic, but in a sluggish way. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I think it's a, a really good way of uh, getting your your thoughts and behaviors, reality, analyzing yourself. I think uh, in a bit more detail. And as you say as well, sometimes you get caught in doing something, even if it's just on a subconscious level, mm. and you just keep doing it. But sometimes just stopping and going, okay, why am I doing this? Mm. What is this about? 
And I think it really helps also shift your behavior, shift your mindset as well. Because as you're saying, when you look at the facts, it gives you an opportunity to analyze, do I, con- do I want to continue this? You know, we're constantly growing, constantly developing, and we should constantly be looking at our own behaviors, actions, and analyzing our, our, ourselves to say, okay, is this really serving me at the level that I want to be serving myself? Mm. And so it almost kind of goes back to the friendship thing that I was saying is like, are these friendships really serving me at my highest self or are they kind of dragging me down? Mm-hmm. Is this relationship serving me? Is this job serving me? And, uh, and I, I'm not saying it's easy to always walk away at all, especially if you've had, a, if you've known them for a long time, if you had this friend in your life or relationship or career or whatever it is, of course, it's not easy. Um, But I always ask myself, what's the alternative? How many more years? How much more time do I have to waste Mm. before I eventually cut the cord? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So from your perspective, then, so you've been on a, you've been on a a bit of a journey, and and we've we've sort of touched on it. Um, And, uh, and so I'm I'm interested, from your point of view, what's the What's the kind of the biggest transformation that you've seen or that you've been able to make happen in your own personal life? Hmm, that's a good one. I think the the one that completely shifted my life, fun enough, was my divorce. And it's because of that divorce, life gives you lemons and it gives you lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> because of that divorce... I realized that I was living a mediocre version of myself. Mm. I realized I was not being authentic to who I was and I hadn't been. And uh, just, just to clarify, it wasn't because of that marriage that I wasn't living. I wasn't living authentically to who I was even before the marriage. I was too concerned with what people think. And again, I go back to culture, family and all of that, you know, grew up, uh, Christian as a black woman in Kenya, um, with certain expectations, with uh, a father who provided for us. And so therefore, like we didn't lack anything. Uh, my parents made sure we went to the best school. So all of this kind of thing was like, there were expectations placed on me from a young age. And so I was programmed rightfully or wrongfully. So that there are certain things I have to achieve. There are certain ways I have to behave. There are certain things I do not do according to my culture, to my religion. And so I went through life, a lot of my life, worried about what people say, what people think about me, et cetera, et cetera. And then I got into this marriage where the patterns continued and the behavior continued, but it got on to a whole other level. I mean, a whole other level. And it was easy for me to fall into a deeper level of, or what is everyone saying, to the point where you feel like you're walking on eggshells, which is what I felt like I was doing a lot of my, a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And the divorce made, forced me, because just to let you know, when I got divorced, I had a four-month-old baby and an eight-year-old daughter. It's a four-month-old son. And a four-year-old daughter. Hmm. Uh, I was on maternity leave. I was going to be on maternity leave for another nine months. 
Um, and I just kind of decided, okay, I've got to make a choice here. I can either, and we continued living together, by the way. So that was also another level of difficulty on top of that. Hmm. Um, and I either decided, okay, and you you really have a choice. You've got a small baby at home. You've got a four-year-old as well who needs you. And you have to do everything you possibly can to your ability not to get into postnatal depression. And so what I did is I kept my mind busy. I uh, read every book, was doing retreats, was going in self-training courses online, you know, and through all of that journey, the transformation of who I am today, I think was born uh, a much more confident person, a person who is not afraid to have boundaries. And if I do not want a certain kind of thing or person in my life, I'm happy to say so. I was complete pushover before. Or <laughs> um, people pleaser. I was a, very, a huge people pleaser. Mm. Um, so the transformation, uh, that's why I said, you know, life gives you lemons. That was my divorce. The lemonade was this version of me now, who's much more confident, much more clear on what she wants, what she doesn't want, mm. uh, and with a stronger mindset. So, yeah. yeah, my biggest transformation came out of what in life, what is considered one of the hardest transitions to go through in life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it is incredible, isn't it? I mean, because there are, it's, it's not uncommon that actually when you, you, you confront something that, that, that is a, a big, a big thing, you know, in society and all of your upbringing. And I can see that, you know, a, a divorce coming from a Christian background and all of those sorts of things, really, really big, really big call. But, but from that kind of an experience and a decision, positive decision, and obviously, you know, in, in, in t take it in the sense that I mean it, um, that's when you really discover yourself. Mm. And you know, even the, the thing is, it's it's uh, when I look back now, there's so many things I feel. How the hell did I put up with that? Do you know, like I I remember being told so many times that you know, in our culture, you know, in our religion, that divorce is is like the absolute last, you know, thingy. I remember being told, well, he doesn't hit you. He's not out getting drunk. I mean, be happy you have a husband, mm. <laughs> you know. I remember being told, you just need to conform more. You just need to conform and your marriage will be fine. Uh, all this kind of, like, I would never dream of telling my own children, that, my, especially my daughter, that, mm. you know. Mm. Um, and I'm not saying that it came from a bad place from, you know, the family members and friends that were saying it, but they knew what they knew. And that's the, the, the culture and religion that they grew up in as well. Mm -hmm. And so it's, uh, it's interesting as well sometimes how your programming can, and I think people need to be aware of this, and I say this quite a lot to my clients, be aware of how your society, your culture, your religion has programmed you to your detriment, even if it's not intentional, but just have that at the back of your head. Yeah. Do you know what? I feel that there are there are there are bits of my life where I can look back and feel very fortunate because um I was brought up as as a Christian and uh you know and I I still hold 
those beliefs. Uh, and um, I've got a, um, I've got, a, I've got a, an experience growing up where I, uh, I went to a very multicultural, multiracial, multi-religion school. Group of friends with uh, with with lots of different view, you know, political views and sort of uh, all of that kind of thing and all of that all of that input through my kind of younger years and my teenage years helped me to to understand and, and, and appreciate that there wasn't just you know the 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 way that I'd been brought up there was there wasn't just one way you know and um, and so I, I do feel I do feel very fortunate. Um, and, and whilst I've got I've got my my beliefs, I kind of I uh, I kind of always listen very very carefully to what other people say because if you have, um, I mean, you've got to stand up for yourself and you've got to find your self worth and you've got to find your own mission, all those kind of things. But if you do that at the exclusion of all of the other uh, potential inputs and and different views and everything else, that can become quite quite unhealthy can't it so so in your situation where you've kind of gone from one view and one programming if you like bit of programming to it to take in a kind of the, the the contrarian view uh how how did you how did you work through that did you find yourself almost swinging from one thing to a to, to another or have you found a kind of a uh a, a, a happy happy medium or or how, how does that work for you now yeah so I think, uh, and, and just to be clear as well, David, similar to you, I actually grew up as well in a very mixed culture, went to international schools. My father traveled a lot because of his job. Mm. So I, mean, I left Kenya when I was five um, and we traveled a lot, went to international schools, as you're saying, multicultural, multi-religion, all of that. And and I loved it. And uh, I still love it. If it were my circle of friends, I don't believe in just hanging out with people who look like me or have the same religion as me or, you know, et cetera. Um, but just to clarify, I am Christian as well. I'm very proud of my Christian beliefs. Um, but what is different when I say about Christianity from before, before it felt like a religion. Now it feels like a faith mm. and a spirituality. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the difference. So the, 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 yeah, it was more tradition. It was more people telling you X, Y, and Z. And sometimes I felt it wasn't based on the Bible. Mm. It was based on what that particular church wanted you to believe. Mm. And I've always had a problem with that. Yeah, I believe when you talk about Christianity or any faith, I believe it's grounded in love and goodness. Uh, people make it ugly mm. Yeah, um, to suit their own agendas. But uh, so it wasn't really swinging drastically from one thing to another. Again, I'm still very proud to be Kenyan. I've got my little Kenyan bracelet. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I'm still very proud of uh, my, my upbringing, but I'm just even stronger in myself because I have incorporated all that is true to me mm. and authentic to me yeah. while getting rid of the cultural and religious, again, this the, according to what I grew up, uh, whatever, <laughs> it's getting a bit controversial, but let's go there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, 
you know, when, uh, yeah, you go to church and you're told some stuff and you're like, well, read the Bible doesn't really say that. Mm. It sounds like your own agenda or, yeah. uh, you know, you, you grow up in a culture and they tell you you should behave X, Y, and Z. And it's like, well, no, I, I I'm going to believe different. Mm. So it's not about rejecting my culture, rejecting my faith or rejecting society. It's just finding that space in society. Christianity, Kenyan, woman, black, all of these identities that I have, mm. but that are authentic to me and getting rid of the bits that I feel do not stand true to my beliefs and my values. Yeah, yeah. And I totally agree. There is a massive difference between religion and faith. Totally agree mm. with that. Totally agree. Mm. Well, good, good. So, so what's your purpose now then? Okay. So um, I believe my purpose was uh, born out of uh, my whole divorce, as I said, is when I had my biggest shift in life. And my purpose is to empower people in their relationships. It's something I'm super passionate about. I can talk about all day long. <laughs> um, and that's why I do what I do as a relationship coach. Um, I focus on the empowerment aspect. Um, I love doing that as well with a podcast that I have that's uh, focused on all relationship topics. Um, but yeah, it's about empowering people as individuals. I don't do couples work, but I can work with a couple individually. But I just, I just want people to understand that life is too short to navigate your life in an unhappy relationship. People mm. spend too much of their life in a relationship. Too much effort, too much money, too much time for it to be mediocre or miserable. So, what's um? So, how would you describe? So, so you, you talk about it for, you don't want it to be mediocre. No. You don't want it to be unhappy. No. So, so how would you describe the kind of relationship that we should be aiming for? Something that brings you fulfillment, passion, and joy, whatever that looks like for you, mm. and that will be very individual from one person to another yeah, yeah whatever brings you fulfillment passion and joy okay cool that sounds great yeah well, i fancy i fancy a bit of that that sounds brilliant <laughs> and i'm very very fortunate i'm very fortunate with my uh my relationship with my wife again and that that we've we've got we've we've got we've got that but we've also got some pain as well oh yeah that's comes with a relationship right there's mm. I, I i feel like when people aim to be walking on roads and petals all day long every day 24 7 365 is is not realistic mm. uh, and i believe it's actually quite dangerous because i think people are being fake or too scared to talk mm. to speak up or being fake because there's no way you're going to agree with every your partner on everything all the time yeah the question is do you go on, on a full on blown out argument every single time? Or are you able to calmly talk about your disagreements, agree and disagree? And you know what? Sometimes, David, I think sometimes you just need the full blown out <laughs> argument, get it out of your chest. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you move on, yeah. you know? Yeah. 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 Um, again, it's if that's your personality, uh, some people are just you know not like that, and that's fine. But again, it's going back to be authentic to yourself. Yeah. 
And when I mean, when I say full blown out, I'm not talking about, you know, violence or anything of this sort, but I mean like getting what's on your chest completely out mm. of your chest. Mm. What is really bothering you, just get it out. And yeah, well, and passion, you talk about passion, fulfillment, and joy. Mm -hmm. So yeah, passion, passion's got that kind of a, got that kind of an edge to it sometimes, doesn't it? Sometimes passion comes uh, with with quite with quite with quite a loud voice and uh, and, and with uh, with a lot of determination and conviction and and all of that kind of thing. So, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, yeah, and, and the, for, for me, it's a bit about understanding. Okay, so when when's the right time? Uh, what's what's the right approach? Because uh, having that having that ability to understand uh, the other person is is key. So understanding your own self worth, I guess, is important. But but you know how how do you how do you incubate and, and nurture the self worth of your partner? Because I guess if you can't pour from an empty cup, then how could how should you expect your partner or, or friend or, or whatever to do that as well? Exactly. Mm -hmm. So what do you like to do on the weekend then? I like to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you know what? No, I do I do love a lion. I'm not gonna lie. I do love a lion. Um I don't often get one with you know with two small kids mm. uh four small kids sometimes uh, most weekends so i do appreciate a lion and then after that uh one of the things that we do love doing as a family is um going out for lunch mm. uh together usually where there's a playground especially with swarm and we can just sit outside mm. um i love dinner dates as well with my partner um, we're both foodies mm. and we both love our red wine. So, uh, <laughs> a good glass or a good bottle of red wine over a good meal yeah. is one of our other favorite things to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and is your partner busy as well? Cause you, you, you've got a lot on. Yes, he is. He also owns his own company. He's also, okay. uh, self-employed. So he's also quite busy, mm. Mm. uh, travels a lot, uh, back and forth, mm. uh, to France. So yeah, he's, also quite busy okay and you have to make a special commitment then to spend time spend time together to to just be together i don't we don't actually make like a special commitment i think we're both good at and this is actually quite something i think i really appreciate with our relationship we really enjoy spending time with each other so we naturally almost plan our weekends together hmm. and then try and plan the maybe like if you're going to meet up with other people do it during the weekdays mm -hmm. and then but the weekends try and keep it for us um and we're quite good at doing that um we've got an amazing babysitter as well who helps <laughs> out every now and then when you're just like bye bye kids <laughs> <laughs> yeah well sometimes you need that don't you you do need yeah. that sometimes yeah yeah but... yeah keep your sanity <laughs> yeah 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 so, so where, so where, where does the joy come from in, in, in your relationship then? Our sense of humor and laughter. Okay. Uh, we both have the same kind of sense of humor, yeah. uh, quite silly sometimes, but we laugh. <laughs> it, it amuses us. Um, and, uh, I think cause we're both adventurous and we both love trying new things. Mm. So, and we both love traveling. So that definitely brings a lot of joy in our relationship. Mm -hmm. 
doing things together that we both enjoy. Mm. So like the dinner dates, the foods, or going for wine testings, or yeah. Uh, I think that brings joy to us. Yeah. And that's interesting. And sometimes it's just watching a series on Netflix and just right. chilling out, like just be the simplest things, just holding hands or cuddling on the sofa. Yeah. Yeah. And just watching telly. That's that's lovely. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really watch much TV. So, uh, so, so Penny, my wife, um, so do you want to come watch this? Like, no, not really. But uh, maybe I need to, maybe I need to engage a little bit more with that to get some, get a bit more cuddle time. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, it, it, and it's, it's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm asked you that question because actually, what it, what it, what it, what it exposes is the joy comes from uh, the sim- the simple things, you know, and I think. I also think when when people are kind of in that fog of a kind of a bad relationship and 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 they and they that they're thinking about okay what, how how do they how do they get out actually what you're then looking for is it can you can sometimes build it up into this big unattainable uh, thing and but but actually if it comes from you being honest with yourself and then and then thinking about the simple things that really really do make the difference then then that can help take some of the pressure off really of what you're looking for in a in a partner or in a relationship. Yeah, that's so true. And it's such a good point because you, as you say there, people build up this idea that joy has to be from big, big ticket items in life. And it really doesn't. Mm. Like if you know your partner and if you don't know them, perhaps the relationship is quite new, ask them, what do you enjoy doing? And find that thing that you enjoy both doing and do it together. Yeah. Even if you perhaps don't, enjoy doing it and perhaps it's new for you Hmm. you know just be like okay babe i know you like doing this uh you know i feel neutral about it it's not not like woohoo about it but let's do it together because (laughs) (laughs) you know i want i want to experience this with you and who knows maybe i might get into it yeah um and obviously vice versa but there's such an appreciation as well that comes along and sometimes even more so when you know your partner is doing it for you Mm. yeah yeah absolutely yeah and i i do i do sometimes not do a good enough job of noticing when 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 uh, pen is doing that for me but i know she does it a lot yeah so yeah she's a star brilliant well look i mean it's been so great to talk to you Anne. It, it, i really i really love our conversations and um I know that you can help lots and lots of people going through, you know, challenging times or perhaps that little bit of self-discovery that they might be going through uh, right now. So, uh, so if people are interested, how, how can they get hold of you? Sure. So the best way to get hold of me is through Anne at AnneHellgren.com. Uh, so A-N-N-E at A-N-N-E-H-E-L-L-G-R-E-N. Uh, dot com and it's the same for my website again anhelgrin.com i'm on linkedin facebook instagram all anhelgrin <laughs> so uh but the best way i think is drop me an email or um visit my website as well and there's a form that you can fill in or connect on linkedin it's fantastic and i do like i said i do enjoy uh you know seeing your your posts and and, and reading those and uh uh, so uh so yeah so it's you're well worth a follow because uh there's the little insights that that come forward from the things that you post i think just just may help to you to pause and to think and to uh, sometimes to kind of uh, there's been a couple of your posts where i've just kind of got that 
Hmm. Yeah, I can I can be grateful for that. That and, and it just reminds you again of those things to be grateful of, as well as the kind of uh, the kind of the, the things to really look out for, to just to make sure that you're looking after yourself. So, uh, so thank you for doing what you do, and it's been it's been great to talk to you. Is there anything that you'd like to say to to, to, to round things off? I just want to say thank you so much, David, uh, for having me on your podcast. It's uh, been an absolute pleasure being on here. I love the conversation. I feel we can talk forever. Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, but thank you so much. Uh, really appreciate it as well. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to People With Purpose. I hope you've enjoyed the show and are enjoying going on this journey. Please remember to like and subscribe and give us a five-star review. Uh, tell all your friends. And if you're interested in finding out more about any of the things we've covered in this episode of People With Purpose, just get in touch. All the details are in the show notes. Thanks. Bye.